Yeah, well, so I'll tell, I'll tell you one of the big things we're not looking for. I think if we're if we're looking to bring someone on to do Tableau or Power BI, the thing we are um, less interested in, which may be a little surprising, is we're not actually looking for the word Tableau or Power BI on the resume. That's Befar Jahan Shahid, the CEO and founder of Innerworks, which is one of the most sought-after data consulting companies in the world. Now, Befar has been in tech for over 25 years and now has a team of over 250 consultants that spend every industry and work with clients big and small. In today's episode, I go deep into what he thinks makes a good data professional and what he looks for when hiring for his team. Before we get into the interview, though, since this is a new podcast, I would love your help in spreading the word. So if you like what you hear here today, please share this episode with someone and please give us a review, a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. Okay, here it is. My interview with Bayfar from Innerworks on what makes a good data pro and how to get hired. First, you know, for people that don't know you, uh, tell me what is Innerworks all about? Yeah, so uh, Innerworks is a company I started when I was attending college at, at Oklahoma State University in 1996. And really, it was uh, something that, that started out of just love and passion for technology. It was, it was never intended to be what it is today. I... Um, I like tinkering. If, if it had an on-off switch, if it had blinking lights, uh, I wanted to play with it. I wanted to open it, see what made it work. And um, what ended up happening was I, I got into technology at an early age. And, and as I got into to high school and college, I became tech support for all of my buddies and all of my buddies' parents. And what I found along the way is that I, I really enjoyed helping other people. I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed taking new problems that I didn't know how to solve and, and, and just kind of through brute force, eventually figuring it out. And when I was in college, I thought, you know, I, I want to go do this for businesses because I'll get, I'll have more sophisticated, more challenging problems. And, um, and it's fun. And so Interworks started out as a, as an IT consultancy. Today, we, we call ourselves a tech consultancy. We do, we do your traditional IT work, virtualization, storage, servers, you know, that sort of thing. And we also have a, a data practice, which is now global with uh, around 250 consultants around the world wow. uh, doing quite a bit of Tableau, Snowflake, Alteryx, DataIQ, uh, you name it. We serve everyone from the, the smallest of small business to, you know, your Fortune 100s. Man, that's amazing. How And when I was there, what, it was like maybe 20 people? I forget. It yeah. was small. It was pretty small. Our... Yeah, so I still remember the picture we have of uh, uh, one of the early Tableau conferences. There were maybe ten of us lined up there yeah. uh, for the picture, and you had the bright, bright pink <laughs> pants on, I think. And we turned it into a little animated GIF of, of yes. flashing through different colors. But yeah, we were a pretty small team then. The, the BI side was was definitely you know a dozen or so. Yeah, uh, and it's it's grown quite a bit. So so tell me about that team. So and and I'm you know interested in the data side because that's what you know what I do. But so the data team you have, um, you know, are they all one thing? Are they different practices, different levels? Like, how do you think of your data team's offering? Yeah, we we break into a, a few different groups. So we generically use the term data. I mean, depending on who you're talking to, they just think of I have data problems, I need data help. But there there are a lot of different components that go into it. The the visualization piece is generally the the last piece. You know, we call it sort of the icing on the cake. Um, but you've got your 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 folks that are going to be more. Um, more focused on things like data engineering, data architecture, the schematics. You've got the business side of the conversation. What are you trying to get in there and why? What do you want to do with it once it's there? How are you going to clean it, get everything in, get everything out? We have uh, enablement teams that will come in and help other companies train up, uh, whether it be on how to use a tool like Tableau or how to, how to run something like a, a center of excellence. So yeah, there's a lot of different components that generically go uh, into that, that word data. And I think for, for people who are passionate about getting into the space, I mean, the great news is you can, you can kind of you know, self-reflect and think a little bit about what are the things that you love and how can you marry. And if you do enjoy the world of, of data sort of generically, how can you marry those things together? Uh, so, for example, um, 
I grew up and I love playing video games. I mean, a lot of, a lot of kids like playing video games these days. It never occurred to me that um, if you're playing a game like Call of Duty, there are all sorts of analytics that go into that. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? When are you doing it? And uh, if you happen to have a knack for data uh, and technology and you love video games, there's a world where you put those things together. If you love basketball, if you love baseball, if you love sports, again, that, that's one of the hottest fields out there, player analytics, uh, back office analytics for, for, you know, how do we get ticket sales up? Where are people buying merchandise? Why? Um, so it's, it's uh, definitely a great place to be. There's, there's a million different dimensions to uh, what makes um, someone a great you know, data practitioner, if you will. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so with that, I mean, you've, well, your team's obviously grown a lot, as we talked about, but you're fairly selective in hiring, I would imagine, for your company. Was that, was that fair? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, and that's obviously worked well, right? You guys are, are very successful in what you do. Um, so with that selectivity, with that, like, like, what do you see when you're interviewing someone? Let's say, uh, you know, someone out there is like, hey, I want to go work for Interworks on the data side. I love sports and I love analytics. What, you know, besides, hey, can you code or can you do a thing in a platform like Tableau or Power BI or whatever? What are the things that you're really looking for if you, you know, to to hire that person onto your team, which would be like a sure. consultant kind of role? Yeah, well, so I'll tell, I'll tell you one of the big things we're not looking for. I think if we're if we're looking to bring someone on to do Tableau or Power BI, the thing we are um, less interested in, which may be a little surprising, is we're not actually looking for the word Tableau or Power BI on the resume. I mean, those are tools that at the end of the day, uh, through through great training, you're going to learn in a relatively short amount of time. I think the thing that gets undervalued the most in consulting, uh, whether it be internal or external, are, are all the soft skills. It's great communication, written, verbal, it's personality, it's putting your, your passion on display for the world to see. Um, and so for, for me, when I'm interviewing someone, so in our interview process, um, you, have to, you have to go through a lot of people during our interview cycle, but, but I do the final interview with everyone. And the reason I do that is I, I ask no technical questions. I just look at someone's resume and I ask a lot of why. Why did you do this? Why are you here? Why this major? Um, if, you, if you majored in fashion design or you know, some other major that may on the surface seem to have nothing to do with data, um, it doesn't matter. I just want to hear the story. I want to hear you tell a story. Uh, why did you get into it? What drove you in, in, into that space? And then I want something that clearly shows, you know, puts your passion on display. Now, if you're, let's say, more into the data space and you know it and that's where you want to be and that's where you've been, I want to know what are you doing that's above and beyond what every other student on the planet is doing? Are you building data visualizations and putting it out on uh, the web, you know, for everyone to see? There was a there was a guy you you and I both know him uh, Ryan, um, and he was famous for building beautiful visualizations. This is something he did in his own spare time. No one was paying him to do it. He just loved the art of visualization, and he did such an incredible job that he just started getting attention from from all over the world. And he had you know uh, Facebook give him a call and say, "We saw your work. We want to interview you." Uh, I, I, I've seen many stories like that. And again, these were just people who were curious, passionate, and, and put their passion on display for the world to see. So that's what I look for in interviews are people who um, decide they like something and are going to put extra effort above and beyond the ordinary average person to go pursue that, that craft, whatever it may be. Yeah, that's Ryan is a great character for example here because yeah, I don't he was a I think before that he was like a mechanic working at an auto shop and started getting into data stuff and more tech stuff and then started posting his Metallica and Bigfoot data visualizations online and I don't know if it was because they were so good or because they were so uh, a bit out out there, like sort of absurd that they really got a lot of attention and then yeah, I mean he's had this great tech career 
ever since. Um, do do any interviews that you've had, like for your team, past, present, whatever, myself excluded, please don't talk, <laughs> please don't, nothing ever, but uh, anything stand out for something somebody did in an interview where you were like, wow, that, like, like I can think of when I've interviewed a few folks, some, something that somebody did. Is there anything for you, though, that like a candidate came in, whether you hired him or not, but you were just like, wow, that was really impressive how they did that? Yeah, I, I think, again, for me, it's just um, people who sort of take their craft to the next level. So the, these aren't um, – so I'll, I'll give you a few examples. We had uh, one guy that you know come in, and his thing was ultra marathons. I'd never heard the word ultra marathon until I interviewed him, Mike yeah. Roberts. I was blown away that this guy – his idea of fun was running 70 miles (laughs) in one single instance. I didn't know people did that. And we, and the whole interview ended up being around ultra marathons. And I thought, and, and, you know, at some point uh, we asked some questions around data and his interest in data, but I thought anyone who's that obsessive about a thing uh, if, if, if all of a sudden they decide my world is data and I love data, they're going to apply that same level of effort and of push and a drive, uh, into data. And so, you know, those are the sort of stories I look for people who come in and they're, you know, musicians and they talk about, you know, they traveled the world or the country playing in a band. Again, these are people who go, I love this craft and I'm going to take that craft to the next level. Uh, so it's it's those sort of things that really uh, stick with me. And, you know, my ultra marathon example is a, a, a decade old and I still remember it very vividly today. Yeah. Yeah. Mike is uh, and, you know, I, I went running with Mike before and it was a, a fun is not the word I would <laughs> I would use uh, because of how fast. Yeah, it, it's. But so what you're identifying, though, are the like a layer below the surface. Right. So I could go to. Stanford and major in, uh, well, probably data science or something. Now they probably have data, you know, college degrees back when I went to college and when you went to college, there was no such thing, right. As a data science degree. But now, you know, so you can look at someone on the surface and have all that. Have you ever, have you ever had someone come in that has had this kind of platinum, you know, resume, you know, the extra, extra everything, but you talk to them and you go, no, this isn't, you're not right for my team. Have you ever had that, the opposite of the, you know, the yeah. ultra marathoner? Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think a lot of this comes down to, um, you know, this is very much an interworks conversation, right? But you, you have someone with that platinum resume, they will have a job. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it'll be very easy for them to get a job in data. I think it, at interworks, you know, for us, we don't, we don't just want a warm, body here. We don't want someone who can just go check the boxes and make the thing happen. We're, we're looking for, for people who are sort of an enhanced interworks in their own unique way. So they don't have to be an extrovert. They don't have to be an introvert. They, they may be a hardcore, put me, you know, in a cube heads down, uh, or they may be the most, you know, chatty person, I, I think. But for us, we're you know, what I say to the world is there's two things that we really want that I think maybe differentiate ourselves from, from the, the rest of the boxes you check when you're hiring. So if you're a hiring manager at Starbucks or Deloitte or Facebook, you know, everyone's going to say, I want someone who works hard. They show up on time. They're resourceful. They're autonomous. Everyone wants that. I think the two things we want that are a little different are we want people who very clearly put their passion for whatever their craft is on display. That's number one. Uh, and then the second one is we want people who go out of their way to be kind and helpful to others. Now, what I mean by that, because I, that can mean a lot of different things is, you know, for us, this is a team approach. We want to, we want people who truly enjoy helping other people because at the end of the day, that's what a consultancy is. Again, whether internal or external, external, you're turning to the person next to you to provide them with assistance. So does this bring you joy? Uh, if the answer is yes, then you're probably a better fit for this kind of role. If the answer is no, I really just want to sit in the corner and do my own thing, leave me alone, then, then there are definitely roles for that. But, but uh, we tend to, to shy away from those sorts of folks. So for us, it's, it, it really is not about do you have a degree? Does it say Harvard? I mean from a probability standpoint, those things may, may 
potentially further increase the likelihood that you would be successful. But I've seen plenty of people that have come from backgrounds that you would never say this person will be a data person. Uh, and then they be, they clearly become a, a star in, the, in their own way. And so, um, yeah, those, w- there's not necessarily particular buzzwords we're looking for, more of the story. So if you came to me with a Harvard resume, um, my my questions would be, why Harvard? Why did you choose that? And I, I want to understand what the answers are. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if it was, well, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do and, you know, I, I could afford Harvard and I thought, why not go to the best school? That's not a great answer. <laughs> uh, I'd be looking for something a little more than that. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, you know, one of my favorite podcasts out there is Freakonomics, and they looked into this because uh, there was actually some, you know, it's hard to do a randomized uh, social experiment because you're messing with people's lives. But there, there was a time where there were a bunch of people that were supposed to get into Harvard, but there was like a glitch in their system. They got all sent to state schools instead. And it turns out they all had great careers, very successful, all of that. And the 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 gist of the, the answer was essentially the fact that you were going to get into Harvard meant that you were going to be successful, right? If you were the type of person that put in all that effort to be able to be accepted by their admissions uh, department, you already it didn't you didn't actually have to go there. That wasn't the thing that made you successful. It was the fact that you were already on that path, kind of like somebody that, that a new parent that goes hardcore and reads 20 parenting books before their kids even hear and watches all the things. It's like, you, you know, it's not the books or the things that made you a good parent. It's the fact that you cared so much and put so much energy into wanting to be a good parent that you were, it was just like a predetermined outcome. Right. 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 Yeah, it is the right foundation there. And I, you know, it, these aren't maybe the most descriptive words because they can mean so many things, but I, I think, you know, I, I think of this as kind of the, the hustler mentality. Do you have the hustler mentality? And I think in, when you're consulting, um, you get thrown in situations where you're uncomfortable, uh, where people are asking you questions where you don't know the answer. And so um, we don't hire people because we expect them to know all the answers. We hire, we hire people because we hope they understand how to go find the right answer and how to leverage the resources and tools that they have available to them. And so, there, again, there, there may be these odd things that, that I look for. Like, for example, if you say, well, at age 18, I went and traveled the world. Well, that's interesting because you're putting yourself in very uncomfortable situations where you may be around people where they don't speak the same language as you. You have to learn the culture. And, and that gives me perhaps a little bit of insight into who you are and, and how you might uh, react in those kind of situations. So if all of a sudden you're going to, uh, you know, if you're, if you're um, U.S. born and all of a sudden you're going to the Eastern world, I go, well, you know, tell me about that. That must have been interesting. Different foods, different languages. How'd you get there? How'd you drive, you know, how'd you navigate the city or the country? Um, those are things that give me a glimpse into, into what you're, you're, you know, how comfortable are you being sort of out of your zone uh, which is really what a lot of consulting is about. So, yeah, I agree. It really comes down to those base layers and and who makes you what you you are and what what shaped your your life and turned you into the person you are. Because that potentially gives me a glimpse into what you're you're capable of doing. Yeah, and and what do you think causes that? I mean, what what does that? I mean, I know you just did a blog post recently. I was reading about uh, going to the store and books would be programs that you could come home and program in basic, right? Like, where do you think these things came from? Um, is it something that, you know, you just had this innate curiosity or like, where do, I don't know, like, like people that follow their passions to this extreme level, which then lead to, you know, conversations with you about what well, that's interesting. Let's, let's take this, you know, and apply some of that a passion and creativity to this thing that helps people or whatever. Like, where do you think these things come from, man? Is this something that you're just born with or is there a way for someone to think about, you know, I've been trotting along, I'm I'm going to college and I know you help out is with, is it Oklahoma state that you help out with some of their programs there? It's like, if I'm going to school, I don't know what I want to do. Like, maybe I'm interested in this. Maybe I'm not like, like, like what do you tell to someone in that situation that hasn't had that, that ability to explore that passion? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough question. I, I, I think it's easy for me to comment on myself because I can 
comment in hindsight, right? right? And I think when I when I think about growing up, um, and and even with my own kids, you know, my my daughter plays soccer. She uh, spends a lot of time in front of her computer. She likes doing streaming, and I can I can get a pretty good idea of where she really loves spending her time. She likes playing soccer. It's fun. She doesn't love playing soccer. Now she'll say she loves it, but when you look at her actions, it doesn't necessarily reflect that, that passion. She's not every day waking up saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, when it comes to Minecraft and streaming and figuring out how to set up her profiles on I mean, she, she could do that 16 hours a day and would do it with a smile on her face. And so for me, when I look back on my life, I go, what are the things that brought me joy? Well, it was learning about technology. I mean, I genuinely, you know, I grew up in a house where if the TV stops working or if the radio stops working, you don't throw it away. You go get a screwdriver and open it up and start looking around, even if you don't know what you're doing. And so this idea of like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out because I want to, and that's fun. Uh, that, that was sort of instilled in me at an early age. Um, but when I, when I talk to students, for me, I go, you know, how do you, what, what could you do every day that brings you joy? And forget about data, you know, forget about right. majors and, and what, how much you'll get paid and like, what do you love? And, and, um, and then I kind of get them, you know, to start talking through that. And then I'll go, now tell me about things you don't like doing. Well, one of the things I realized when I was in college, I'd started InnerWorks. I hadn't, um, it was just a, a side thing. It wasn't my real job. When I was interviewing with companies, one of the things I realized was I don't like putting on a full suit and going to these sort of corporate networky events. They, they didn't, it didn't feel right to me, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying in the process of doing that, I realized this is not for me. Uh, I, I need something, you know, different. And so part, part of, part of, I think, understanding what is it that, that motivates and fuels you is also understanding the, the opposite of that. What are the things that kind mm. of suck the, you know, take the wind out of your sails? And I think if you can identify those two, it also may, may help, um, uh, you know, shape the direction of what you're doing. I, I think the other, uh, the other thing that I, I think doesn't get discussed enough is that, um, I think people want the gratification quickly and I think they don't necessarily understand how much time and effort and how many hours go into being great at what you do. Uh, the reason I think Interworks is great at, at what we're doing is because we have spent so many hours doing it and we have made so many mistakes along the way that that has helped put us in the position we're in now. So whether it's podcasting or whether it's gaming or whether it's playing basketball, uh, no one just wakes up and says, Hey, I want to be great at this. And they're great. They have to invest an uncomfortable amount of time uh, to be great at it. And this is why I think people should try and understand early what they're passionate about and what they love, because if they're just doing this ultimately for a paycheck, it, it's harder to stay motivated. Uh, the things that I do, you know, learning about technology, reading about businesses, if, if tomorrow I didn't didn't earn another paycheck, I would love reading and doing those things. And so I think people really have to question, like, what are the things they're truly passionate about? Whether it, you know, if it's if it's giving back, if it's church, if it's I want clean water uh, for the whole planet, um, are those things you could do 12 hours a day every day? Uh, and if the answer is yes, then you probably need to put some focus and you know go, mm -hmm. go figure out how to make that a reality. Yeah. And, and one thing you said there that, that stuck out to me that I love is that you went and tried that, put the suit on, do the networking thing. Because I, I hear a lot of kids, kids, you know, let's say millennial, early twenties, something like that in college or getting out of college saying a nine to five isn't right for me. And I kind of look at them and go, how do you know that? You know, I'll tell you what, working at Spotify is super fun and it's a nine to five. You know, so maybe just not the working at, I don't know, some, you know, what you would consider a boring corporate job isn't maybe, maybe that's not right for you, but it doesn't mean that this isn't right. You like, you have to try something I feel, right. Would you agree with that? Like, like there's some value in saying, sure, yeah. I don't know, but let me give that a go. And, and now I know I don't like it. You know, prior to that, 
there's a lot of like, well, maybe it actually, I would be good in that environment. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. It's, you know, just being very general, I, I think it's always great to experiment, especially when, um, frankly, the consequences may not be that big. Right. I mean, when, when, if you get a job and you don't like it, you can leave, right. you know, and, right. um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking in very general terms, but you know, I think for me, um, I haven't had a lot of jobs. I mean, I had a paper out and I had a lot of <laughs> hourly jobs and I worked at the movie theater. I mean, I started Interworks when I was, when I was 20, but one of the jobs that I had right before Interworks was working for a, a tech company called Creative Labs, which, which made a product called the Sound Blaster. Oh yeah. At the time I they were the it. number one, yeah, they were the number one multimedia peripherals manufacturer on the planet. And I was part of the second group ever hired there. And when I started there, eight dollar an hour job, I absolutely loved it. It was amazing. Everyone they hired loved tech. They were super great at what they did. We'd have, you know, laying parties on the weekends and barbecues and and the mission was just provide great, you know, service to your to the customer. Um, and I was there for, for a year and a half. And in that year and a half I was there, I saw them go from one type of company to another. They went through incredible growth, publicly traded, and um, and they were just hiring, hiring, hiring. And what happened was the, the rules changed and the mission changed. And, and mm-hmm. again, I, I made up what, what I thought the mission was, but everything became this you know metric and you're on the phone for 10 minutes and you escalate a call to your manager. When you hang up the phone... You have 60 seconds until your next call. And again, nothing wrong with any of this. It was just very different than the company I started in. But but the things that I didn't like about it taught me a lot about um, who I am, what I want to be doing, what I don't want to be doing. And I realized that that sort of rigid structure where everything is spelled out was not for me. Now, there are people who really appreciate and enjoy that, mm-hmm. so there's nothing wrong with it. For me, it was wrong, and I realized that. I would not have known that, or it would not have been as clear to me today had I not gone through that experience for myself. Uh, and, and frankly, um, going through that experience um, has made me uh, who I am today, right? So I think uh, unless you're out there trying things, learning, growing, understanding what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. If you're not doing that, uh, I think you're, you're slowing down this process of understanding who you are and where, where you want to be headed. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then with that, those lessons you learned there, obviously you took some of that to what you do now at Interworks, right? I imagine you have like your structure, whatever, how loosely defined you want to make that is somewhat based on, okay, here's what I don't want my company to be like. Right. So, so how right. would you describe yeah. your, I guess, culture there at Interworks? And then for maybe other entrepreneurs out there, how do you try to preserve that? Because, I mean, from my experience, culture has always been a key thing. And as you grow, it's obviously very hard to, to maintain, which is kind of what you said there with the Creative Labs, right? Sure. And so, you, you know, again, I, I kind of look back on those days and I go, at, at that time, I think I was, you know, let's say 18 years old, eyes wide open. I was the youngest, per, literally the youngest person there. Um, there were a lot of key things I took away. So I'll give you one kind of silly example. They were a tech company, um, but when you sat at your desk and you used a com- the computer, it wasn't necessarily what you'd expect to have at a tech company. It wasn't the latest and greatest. And that left such a powerful impression on me. I thought, how odd that I'm working at this tech company that's known for being the best and, and I didn't necessarily have the best equipment. And so something as, as silly as that translates today to going, I'm a, I'm a Microsoft person, right? And, um, uh, and I, I don't, as much as I go, I don't understand why Max costs so much more. <laughs> I go, okay, that's not, that's not for me to decide. If someone comes here and they go, I'm working, doing tech things, I want a Mac, I want this kind of phone, I want this kind of headset, I don't want to limit those things, right? I want, because those are the, those are the little things that bring you joy when you're coming and saying, I, I want to be great. You know, don't, don't put obstacles in front of me. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, there were a lot of things I took from there that left them um, a powerful impression. Another one was, you know, they, they, 
they took the rules from, they went from zero to a hundred. And I thought, you know, to the extent possible, if we can, if we can hire slow and deliberate, then um, to the extent possible, we want to say, look, we, we want to have as few rules as, as we can. And you have to have a framework. You have to, you know, there has to be some guidance. Um, but we don't want this to be, we rule with the, the corporate fist and have this rigid structure and everyone must abide by this. You know, we want, we want to be as minimal as possible with that. Again, I, I look back to my 18-year-old self and I go, I wanted to learn everything about everything. And I think there are a lot of people in this space that go, I love tech. I think data is cool. I think IT is cool. How can I spend my time, uh, you know, just fully immersed in that craft? And so we want to find those people and we want to preserve that joy and that purity. We don't want to suck the life out of them right. over time, right? So we want to give them the ability to play and have some time to, to learn and do professional development. We want them to have the right tools and resources. And we want them to be surrounded by people that are energetic and excited about that. We don't want to talk about our earnings this quarter or our revenue targets or those are not things that frankly excite techies like myself. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, what excites me is what's this new cool thing that just came out? Uh, is this practical? Do we, you know, if, if we go tinker with it, does it, does it kind of, um, how does it handle the stress test? You know, are people here passionate about it, excited about it? Those are the kinds of conversations that I think people here want to be a part of. And I, I learned a lot early in my career from, from being in other companies as an employee and consulting to them about what, what I like and don't like. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So you, you give your folks a lot of uh, autonomy to have, you know, that stuff. And because probably, I mean, th there's some aspect, it has to be sort of self-fulfilling, right? Of like, by having, by giving people that kind of agency to do those things, you know, they're going to, they're techie folks, they're going to pour a lot of that passion into it. And out of it is going to come some special sauce that you guys have that you can give your clients, right? Like you'll know the latest and greatest things or, I mean, or, you know, maybe 80, 90% of it leads to nothing that actually helps the company, but some small amount of it probably will. I mean, would you say that's fair? Like, you know, sure. there, there's a benefit it, to the company of also allowing people to have that autonomy, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely an, uh, an unintended consequence that we we benefit, and we we didn't even understand this early on, right? But if you if you look at some of the the biggest partnerships we have today, uh, and some of the partnerships that are just starting, so you look at Tableau and you look at Snowflake. Um, Tableau wasn't an R and department at Interworks researching what is the tool, where should we place our bet? Mm -hmm. um, when Tableau came out, you know, uh, over a decade ago, what happened was one of our clients discovered it. They told us about it. We ended up going, well, this is a pretty neat tool. I mean, I, I remember the first time I used it going, well, this is different. It, it looks simple. It's elegant. It works. Um, it was different than Crystal Reports or SSRS. <laughs> and and I thought, you know, and what happened was people would not quit talking about it. And so um, it, it almost hit this tipping point where everyone at Interworks was talking about it. We're going, we really probably shouldn't ignore this. People here really love this thing. And so, um, and so that's when we decided, let's go pursue a Tableau agenda. I remember years later, the same thing happened with Snowflake, you know, so, so what happens is people are always tinkering with some new toy, uh, with some new product. And there's a lot of them that we tinker with and we go, eh, that's all right. And there's others we tinker with and we go, this looks neat. And then we get further into it and it, it doesn't uh, pass the, the smell test at some point. And then there's others where people go, Hey, this is really neat. And they turn to the person next to them and go, check this out. And that person goes, this is really neat. And they turn to the person and, and, and next to them and, and they say, check this out. Well, that's something that happened with, frankly, with Snowflake. Uh, we, we, you know, we knew who Snowflake was before they were cool, right? Now everyone mm -hmm. knows who they are. Um, but, th but this is kind of the, the cycle of technology here where we, we see something we like. Uh, we start really testing it and putting it through the paces. And what happens is the passion is the primary driver of we should go have an agenda around this product. It is not 
how much financial opportunity is out there. Because frankly, there's a lot of products out there where there's a lot of financial opportunity, but the people here don't care yeah. very much about it to go promote it. And when, when, when it is coming from a place of true evangelism, I love this thing, you should check it out, it's going to make people go check it out. Um, and so, yeah, we use we we choose our, our our technologies based first and foremost on on passion as a primary driver by the people here. And then, as we get a little further down in the rungs, then it's can we monetize this? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that curiosity definitely keeps us. Um, it, it helps preserve the culture in some ways. It helps um, it helps make sure I think we're promoting the right tools for for our client base. Yeah, that that's an interesting thing you say there about looking at the passion first, because on the financial side, you're totally right. Like, I remember being at Facebook, and there were some Oracle guys, I don't know if they had already signed Oracle stuff or not. But we were having a chat one time over lunch, and like a small project for the Oracle business intelligence suite was like 500k or something in general. And I'm just going, oh my God, that is so much money for like a reporting tool, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like this, the, whereas I can buy Tableau for like 70 bucks a user or something ridiculously cheap. You're going, what is even going on? So it's good that you do that. And I, I, I totally agree. I think that is probably, uh, you know, I don't know how much of a degree, but some part of your special sauce is giving your people that autonomy to explore these things that are interested in and then yeah, you you kind of incubate it a little bit internally, and if your guys are excited about it, you know that there it has like that there's some real something there that it's not just marketing hype because we you know we've both been in this well I've been in data you've been in data and tech for a long long time it's like there's a lot of companies that come and go and they have Super Bowl commercials and this and that and you're like you look at it you go this is vaporware dude this is this is not real. Right. I'm not going to sell this to my clients, even if I do get a 30% commission on the sale or whatever it is. Right. So yeah. let's get down to earth a little bit more on that. So what technologies are you guys really excited about, really focused on? You've mentioned Tableau, you've mentioned Snowflake. Are there anything, anything else out there that like, I don't know. So, so just rewind. So if I'm a data pro looking to get into industry, yeah, I know Tableau. Yeah, I know Snowflake. Yeah, I know some of the other, the big names out there. What else might I, as a young data pro want to check out? Maybe because that might be, you know, people do tend to get really attached to platforms too, which is a weird thing I found. I don't know if that's a psychological thing or if it's like a professional choice, but like, what other technologies out there would you recommend someone looking at if they were uh, kind of looking at the landscape? Yeah, I, well, so one that's definitely on my my radar, and we're we're doing a little more qualification of is data haiku. Mm-hmm. Uh, so data, data haiku, haiku, like um, a poem. Uh, haiku. D- D- Let me look it up. Data iku. Yeah, I'll have to check I think this out. There's been okay. some healthy debate on the the right way to pronounce it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and Fivetran and Matillion are both products that um, we've put put through the paces. Uh, great tools, uh, again, simple, easy to use. Uh, DataIQ is, is very promising because it you know it's, it's data prep in the cloud essentially. So again, this is one of those things where I remember seeing the demo it was it was roughly a month ago. Uh, our, our team's been using it a while. I, I hadn't paid much attention to it. I saw the demo and I, you know, about fell out of my chair because I thought <laughs> it's, it, it looks beautiful. It looks simple and it does very complex and sophisticated things. Um, and, and so, you know, just last week I, I literally sat through, I, I don't really do much in terms of training these days. I sat yeah. through data IQ training because I thought this looks cool. I want to make sure I understand this product. Well, um, so, you know, I, th- I think there's this um, revolution or, or, or fast evolution happening in the space of data science and, you know, machine learning and that sort of thing. I think that um, if you look at tools like Tableau, what they did was they took something that felt like only programmers did, your Crystal Reports developer or whomever, and it brought visualization to the masses. I think we will start to see this with tools around data science, you know, as time goes on. And, and I think data IQ is a good, good next step towards that. Uh, so that, that's one that's definitely on the radar. And I, I, uh, I think it'll be a, a, a pretty 
uh, well-known company in a couple of years. Now, how, how involved are you? Uh, because I mean, you're, you know, you're, uh, you're, well, a tech veteran, we'll call it, you know, other people I've heard call people like me new dinosaurs, but you know what I mean, mm -hmm. right? You've been around tech for a long time. You started out as a coder back in basic, I mean, 20 some years ago, like how involved are you today? Cause you could, you could totally as a CEO of a company be 0% involved, right? But mm -hmm. some of you loves this stuff. It must, right? Mm -hmm. So, so like, like yeah. how, like, like if I gave you a spreadsheet right now and said, "Hey, make me a dashboard," could you do that? Like, like, wh where are you at? Yeah, I'd be, uh, I'm, uh, I'd be rough. I, I can go, I can go, qu query my own data and pull most things <laughs> I need. And I, and I, and I think, um, you know, this was hard for me at first because as the business grew, I became, I, you know. Once upon a time, I felt like I was a pretty senior technical resource, and that's just kind of diminished since. And now, more uh, an academic uh, mm. senior resource rather than a practical one. And so, I think I know how to ask the right questions and ask good questions. But I, I really struggled with this at first because I used to be the one who knew how to do it, and I could just sit down and get it done, and I would just work at night, and you know. Uh, figure it out. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty rusty now. I, I can't do that. And, 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 uh, I remember putting a, a, a firewall in my house and I asked our support group to do it. And it, <laughs> it, it was like, I had to stop for a minute. Cause I was like, I can't believe I asked someone else to set this thing up for me. It was almost like, a I was almost embarrassed. <laughs> I am embarrassed that I asked, but, uh, yeah, so it, it's been hard, but I think, I think the fact that I had done it for so long, um, has given me a good framework to, to, to know what I'm looking at, know the possibilities, know how to ask the right questions. Um, and I think that that's been valuable. Uh, you know, in, in these moments where I feel like I have more free time, I try and jump back into it. But I'll just say, personally, I, I have a tool like Tableau open every day on my machine because mm. uh, a lot of times it's just quicker for me to go run, run my own little query rather than send an email off. And it may take someone a few minutes to get me the answer, but I can just do it myself. So, so why ask? And so that was my motivation for getting into data IQ is like, well, you know, instead of me doing my data prep in raw SQL, whatever, I can use this tool and have it do it for me. So, I want to know enough to at least do the, the 101 kind of work. Mm -hmm. uh, but to answer your question, can I build a dashboard? Yes, <laughs> it wouldn't look like a, a dashboard you ever built. It, it wouldn't be at that level, but but it would it would probably get the job done if it was if it was a simple ask. I mean, and that's what it comes down to, really. I mean, you know, there's there's I'm always a fan of more of a minimalist approach when it comes to a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. Like I want the answer. I don't necessarily care about how it looks, but you know, if I'm making something built into a product or there's other times when the aesthetic side of it really does matter. So not to downplay that, but I've always been like, I'm trying to get the answer to a question so then I can make a decision. So that's all that matters. Like, I don't even need to see it. Just, just tell me whether this is right. And I want to know that you, you actually did the diligence behind it. So no, yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I, I, I love that. Now, We've you mentioned data science here, and this is an interesting term. And so I'm really curious, I'm probably going to ask everyone this, but how do you define data science? And is there a distinction with data and other, you know, uh, verbs after that, like analytics or engineering? Like, like where does, what is data science, I guess, from your perspective as someone that sits in your seat, seeing, you know, a very broad spectrum of not just the data world, but also the tech world? Well, I'll give you my answer, and I don't think it will be the same as what most other how most other people would answer this. So I think there would be a lot of disagreement sure. about this. And I, I guess before I answer it, I'll, I'll say, to me, data science is a word like cloud. Yeah. I mean, for for a couple of decades now, we've been saying everything's going to the cloud. I'm like, well, what is that? What's the cloud? Like, does it just mean something not in your building, or you know, and um, and, you know, there's more clarity around cloud and what that means today. But it was just a word that was thrown out for everything uh, and every scenario. And I, I feel like data science is a little bit of, of uh, that same thing today. For me, practically, what it means is um, a, a, a tool that's going to go analyze your data, apply um, uh, statistics and other heuristics to to your data, and it will and, and it will 
take that data and spit back information to you. Um, and the way that I see it used now, keep in mind, I'm not in the field. Sure. So, sure. Um, no, but that's why I, yeah, I want your perspective on it because like, everyone's going to have yeah. a different take. Yeah. To, to me, the, the practical tools that are doing this today are the ones that are, are going to, um, look at your data and, and, and tell you, um, uh, some potential or anticipated outcomes. Uh, I think uh, on the fringe of data science, you have, you know, your PhDs, your, your statisticians that are going and crunching numbers and, and, and doing these advanced, you know, doing advanced work and calculations. But I think, uh, you know, in terms of the business analyst or your, your everyday business user, I think the tools are going to try and look at your data and make predictions and tell you a little bit about what it thinks those outcomes may be. And so, uh, you know, at Interworks, we don't, I, I, you know, I sort of make this, um, I, I, I use this phrase, we are cutting edge minus one. And what <laughs> I mean by that is that if you're cutting edge, you're really pushing the boundaries of the latest and greatest products and they haven't necessarily been tested by the market. We, we tend to wait until we go, no, this is actually practical and something the masses will want. And I think in that, what you find are today, a lot of those tools that claim to do data science are still a little clunky. There's still a lot of fine-tuning that's happening. Um, and we're just now, I think, starting to enter the early stages of, of tools that will help look at data and, and tell us about possible you know, future outcomes. Um, that's my definition of it. No, that that's great. So yeah, I th what I what I hear specifically there is the prediction side of it, right? Which I think is fair. Mm -hmm. I think from from my standpoint, I, I, you know, I I would I would totally agree with that sentiment. But I and I completely agree that the term data science has become a marketing term used by companies to try to sell more things because I feel like science sounds more expensive than uh, analytics. I don't know why. It's like the old trope of. Uh, you know, the Linux admin gets paid more than the Windows admin because the CEO will walk by the Windows admin and go, oh, that looks like my computer. And then I'll go walk by the Linux admin and go, oh, God, what is that? Like, I just give that yeah. guy more money. I don't know what's going on. Right. So sure. data science is kind of in that realm of like, oh, this is a science now, you know, so let's throw more money at it. I think you have, you know, people that, that sit in a room somewhere and they go, hey, we have a lot of data. We should be smarter about what we do and how we do it. Well, why don't we go apply science to it and, yeah. you know, make this thing work for us? So, it, uh, yeah, conceptually and philosophically and practically that, yes, that's what you should do. But I think you, I think science is uh, this um, this word that can mean a lot of different things. People have the liberty to translate it into whatever they want it to mean. Uh, so if you throw it out there, um, you know, people can bend it to, to be what they want it to be. But I agree. It's definitely getting a lot of uh, attention from, from marketing folks. And again, the same way, you know, cloud did. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not that it's wrong. It just, it just can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It, it reminds me that there was a Microsoft commercial about the cloud stuff. This was probably when Azure was first coming out or something. And there was a family. They took a photo in the commercial. And they're like, oh, we need to fix our photo. Timmy blinked to the cloud. And they like pop open a little surface tablet and like change his face to a previous photo that was him smiling or something. And and so I remember watching it going, people are really going to think the cloud means photo editing software. That's that's like mm -hmm. the message you're sending here. It makes no sense. Yeah. So that that's probably w would you agree that maybe in the tech world of marketing things to consumers, we're just we're just bad at it or <laughs> like, you know, because all the terms get thrown around and, and the real meaning of the thing totally gets lost. Like a SaaS business is basically anyone that has a subscription model like Netflix is a SaaS company. And you're looking at it going, mm, SaaS actually had like a specific meaning that we kind of lost. Right. Yeah, I think. um it's tricky because, uh, again, it's a, it's a broad word. It applies to a lot of scenarios. I think as time goes on, the, the definition becomes, you know, better tweaked and, and mm -hmm. more fine tuned, but I, I agree it's broad and I, but I don't know what the alternative is. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you have tools that do data sciencey things. Uh, but that is one of a 10,000 choices. So, mm -hmm. um, what do you do? 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, we call you. We call Interworks and we get our yeah, answers. You, right. you guys figure it out for us, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I want to respect your time here and I want to ask just like one final parting thing. So, uh, you know, kids coming out of college right now, like if you're talking to a group of students studying computer science or data science or whatever, you know, what's like the one thing you would want them to learn from from our conversation here? Well, I, I have two comments, and and I would say number one, if 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 you uh, enjoy the world of data and you love data, you're it's it's definitely the right time and place to uh, for that to be your passion or hobby or interest. Um, there is very most definitely a very high demand for those sorts of people and a very low supply of people who can do that work. Uh, so I would say, you know, great choice uh, going into the space. The other thing I would say is that I, I think, you know, I think back to myself in college days, I was very focused on, you know, back when I was interviewing, I was very focused on, well, this person will pay me this much this person will pay me maybe 5% more. And I, I was really looking at the wrong things. What I, what I should have been looking at is where am I going to learn the most? What's going to enhance my, my career? Uh, you know, where do I get the opportunity to experiment and learn and grow? Um, and then also what do I want to be a part of? And so I, I think that, um, you know, if you're in the space, you're in the right space. I think you should think long and hard about what, what are the things you enjoy doing? What are the things you don't enjoy doing? And then find your niche in the space. Again, I just go back because it's an easy, easy example. If all you do is watch basketball all day, there is an entire world of basketball analytics, right? So you can marry any profession and data together. Uh, if you want to bring clean water to the planet and change the world, uh, there are all sorts of things you can do uh, around data and um, uh, and and analyzing, you know, where you get the best bang for your buck to bring clean water to some part of the world. And you can be a data scientist or a data analyst going and 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 looking for those solutions. And so I think understanding uh, your passion, what your what what gets you excited, um, and and focusing on where you can learn and grow the most are, are very important. That's I guess awesome. one other thing I would say is put your passion on display. Uh, show people that you're willing to go above and beyond just showing up to class to learn. You know, how are you spending your free time? Are you taking some public data set and in your own time doing something with it just because you thought it was neat? Uh, if so, that probably says something about you that a potential employer should understand about you. I hope you enjoyed that interview there with Bayfar from Interworks. If you want to hear more conversations like that, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening from. We have YouTube and we also have the podcast. And of course, we have the blog at freethedataacademy.com. So that's it for this one, guys. Thanks for watching and I'll see you back here in the next one.